Positive thinking will let you do everything better than negative thinking. That is a quote by Zig Ziglar. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Welcome to episode 127. Before I get into this week's episode, I'm excited to share with you that I've been selected as one of the international speakers for Sean Fair's Leadership Experience Tour 2021. It's happening April 10th in Troy, Michigan. I will be there on location on the stage And the topic of my speech is From a Mess to Amazing. I will be inspiring and empowering you to be resilient regardless of what may have happened in your life. Now, although I'm going to be present there on stage, I invite you to purchase your virtual ticket at bit.ly forward slash capital L-E-T 2021. The topic of this week's episode is there is no tax on love. My guest this week is Dr. Lynn Morrell. Dr. Lynn supports entrepreneurs and leaders in developing heightened awareness, unconventional thinking, and greater clarity. A visionary, thought leader, author, speaker, and facilitator, she has inspired thousands of people across the globe to step into the creative expression of their spiritual essence, purpose, and destiny. Her journey through multiple traumas taught her that no matter what happens to us, we have a core of wisdom that will move us beyond our challenge into expansion, empowerment, and the ability to create lives better than we can imagine. Hi, Dr. Lynn. Welcome to Trina Talk. Oh, it's so great to be here, Trina. I'm so excited about today. I'm excited to speak with you. I mean, you are just a woman who is. Amazing. We were just talking pre-record and we have some similarities in our backgrounds and I just love your energy. You're so positive. You're so uplifting and you're just doing amazing things in this world. And I want you to tell the listeners who Dr. Lynn is and but tell us what got you to be the person that you are today and your mission in life. Wow, that's a, that's a great question. I could I could spend years talking about that, but I'll be really brief. So my mission in life is to help people overcome their traumas, the things that would take them out. Having experienced so much of that growing up, and I did not always smile. Now I have a hard time keeping the smile off my face. And so for me, what makes me tick and what got me here is being born, you know, to a mom who was bipolar, to a father who was an alcoholic, very high functioning. And so, but the the trauma at six months old, something happened where my mom tried to hurt me. So I went to live with a grandmother and grandfather and aunt and uncle. And I stayed there till I was five. But in that period of time, the best way I could, my 
the best way I could describe my grandma was a hurt person, but very strong. And so by the time I was five, she was checking my dusting with her white gloves. You know, I'm a five-year-old and I had to sit perfectly on the couch, and proper while she walked as the world turns, that soap opera. And I could never do anything right. I couldn't pull the weeds good enough. So I grew up in that first five years with being loved, but also being conditioned that I wasn't enough. And so at five years old, I was heartbroken when my parents wouldn't give me up for adoption. And I was told I had to go live with my my parents, my sister, two sisters and brother. And that led to a period of, let's just call it extreme dysfunctionality. And so without going into the details, um, I had what I would call a near life experience because I was sort of on the other side, but I was watching myself. Actually, I was being strangled as a five-year-old in a corner by somebody trying to date rape my, my sister. So um, I couldn't wear turtlenecks for decades. And I didn't remember any of this until I started to wake up. So, you know, life became such that I ran away at 17 to go to college. I was the first in my family to go to college. Um, my sister did go to Juilliard. I'm not sure she finished, but they didn't consider that college back then. And I, my saving grace, and I think we all have something inside of us that is like the, the thing that keeps us going, was as a chubby little size 16, introverted 15-year-old that could not chew gum and walk a, a straight line. I was totally like picked last for everything. And I was living out to not enough. Um, my younger sister wanted to take judo lessons. I didn't want to take judo lessons. What's judo? So my sister-in-law quit before they started and I became the designated chaperone because there weren't a lot of kids, adults, teenagers in a judo class. It was all men, basically. And I was like a ductile water, Trina. I finally had something that I had control over my body. No one was ever going to mess with me again. And I excelled. And in my excelling, then they took away the $35 a month, which was a lot in the 60s, mm -hmm. and said, sorry, kid, she quit, you're out. And I was not about to stop mm -hmm. because I found validation. That it was all men. I mean, it's like, but I could throw them all. <laughs> and when they took away the, the, my money and my rides, sometimes I got a ride from my parents. I got really creative because I had a goal. And I was going to get to that class. And when I told my teacher what happened, he goes, well, I'd like you to teach the beginners. Now, I'm only in there three or four months when this happens. So, but again, some of us come in here with a certain spark, you know, it's like, what is it that lights me up? Well, being able to control my body, being somebody in the class where I was loved and accepted for who I was, that was the beginning of my long journey. That was a long-winded answer. But that's what got me started. Wow. You know, I, you know, you said it's long winded, but I love that. And, you know, just as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking about my life as well. You, you know, you said I was an introverted girl who never smiled and I'd be doggone if when I give my, my talks, that's one of the first things I say that how I, I never smiled growing up because it was just so traumatic how I was treated. And, you know, you look back and you're like, wow, I, I never, I never smile. And I just remember that when I did, people would say, oh, you have such a beautiful smile. And then I would, you know, again, you know, shut down. Um, but wow. And, 
it, your life just, it, it, you know, it's funny because you could have done so many things with your life, but you chose to take the path that you did, which is of positivity. That judo class became your outlet. And from what we were discussing, you're still active today doing that, correct? 55 years later. Wow. And and I've learned and grown. I mean, I went from judo. I actually taught judo in college because I put myself through college. And I got credit for, for the gym class by teaching it. And I, I went on to study taekwondo, which is a Korean karate. I became a fifth degree black belt. I have another promotion, but I just stop it at fifth degree. Nobody needs to know. Um, and then I, I became a black belt in Aikido. But primarily, it was my stress management tool. And it taught me the value of discipline, which is really discipleship toward myself. The regrets I would have if I had stopped, I can't even imagine. And back then, women were the weaker sex. Ha ha ha. And I would be the only girl in class after my sister. And I would scoot into the guy's locker room because there was no female locker room and be in and out in two seconds. I, I had to be better than anybody else. And at one point, my teacher said, you know, you, know, you'll, you probably will never get a black belt or words to that effect because to take the test is too rigorous for, for a woman. Well, I kicked that out of the water. And there's a, a, la- a lady by the name of uh, Rusty Kanakoji, who's the mother of judo in the Olympics. She was my role model. She came out of like the Bronx gang, mm. and she turned that for herself. I turned it as a tool that helped me work my way through college, helped inform the work that I do in stress management and trauma, because through the martial arts, I had a vessel and a vehicle where I could begin to shed all those negative talk, you know, thoughts, but I didn't shed all of them because I, I mostly, many times I was, I was first, I've been a gold medalist. I was in the garden um, state champion and, and da, 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 but always in the ones that I really wanted to be first in, there would always be some glitch. So I, I had this self-defeating thing. I could whoop the person, but they'd somehow work in the other person's favor. Like my first, my first gold medal trophy tournament, I went to the bathroom and I was a brown belt. And when I came back, they gave it to another woman with the same name who was a black belt, same first name. And all the guys that were there said, no, you got the wrong person. And so my life was like, I'm the wrong person. And so that's one that came with me until maturity and it still rears its little head. Wow. You know, and so my my saboteurs, the voices that saved me as a child are not my friends now. And so that process of people pleasing, which I developed really early, I mean, that's a survival mechanism. And and then my hypervigilant, oh my God, I am so hypervigilant. <laughs> I can feel people behind my back, you know, and they don't even, they're not even moving. Sometimes it's almost as though I can hear them breathing. And so a high level of of that hypervigilance, but I've turned those things for me in the work that I do with trauma. I can just sit with somebody. They don't have to say a word. I can, I can just read them because I've been there and everybody's different, but we're all common into the things that hurt us. Hypervigilance, um, nitpicking details, you know, um, not trusting. Oh Lord, I didn't trust anybody. 
and I was alone or for how long because everybody let me down. Yeah. And and life has been kind to me in in a sense, this is looking at things from looking back, because every obstacle I had, Trina, made me stronger and more loving. I had to go through my angry stage. Oh man, I was forgive me, an angry self-righteous bee. Mm-hmm. And I'll leave it at that. And that's how I kept myself safe. Right. And now the transformation, I literally have transformed from who I was into who I am now. And it's been quite a journey. Wow. I mean, I'm just, I'm just shaking my head in agreement because I can relate to everything you're saying. And I hope the listeners, well, I guess the listeners who have been where we have been and where, you know, what you're mm-hmm. saying, they can relate on their own level as well. But Tell me now, since we, you've worked past that trauma and you're starting to use those, that journey and that wisdom that you gain to help others, who do you help and how do you help them? Well, I help the people that God sends me. It's like I say yes to almost everyone unless it's a no. And there are those that I refer out, those that are unwilling to heal that just want to repeat the, the the loop. I understand that loop. I was caught in it. But for over 30 years now, um, I've been working with people who have had horrific traumas and they still want to get out of them and they don't know how because those voices are so entrenched. And from a physiological stance, every time that negative little thing comes up, your neural pathway gets stronger and the sheaths get stronger and it's harder and harder. The thing I think that that pushed me over the edge, I always wanted to do good, but in about 1980, oh Lord God, I was still at Giant Stadium. I worked as a, as a buyer at Giant Stadium when it was Giant Stadium. Um, I made a commitment that I wanted to be a clear and perfect vessel for the light of God, and that I would, everywhere I went, I would bring something better leave the place better than when I can. And that, that God and, and light and sound, because the sound is the beginning word, and it's a vibration, that I would embody loving, even though I still wasn't loving myself. And I still have days when I wake up hating myself. And I wake up with it. I go, oh, no, 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 barking dog. Uh, 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 uh. I know you have permission to live here, but sit. I call those negative voices, you know, Jesus, stop barking. I know you did. And then I turn my attention to what's positive in my life. You know, if I didn't have gratitude and I didn't have forgiveness for decades, you know, my daughter was actually grabbed out of my hands when she was 12 by her bipolar dad. I created, I recreated my life based on the traumas of those that came before me. And that's the thing that we can shift. Mm-hmm. And that's what I help people do. I help them shift awarenesses from the glass is half empty to, wow, look at what I have. I've gone through this compression, this being the fires of life, like a, like a, a diamond. Right. You know, some of them get extruded 2,000 degrees and add a little tiny zoom. Yep. And then when they come out, they're not looking so pretty and people ignore them. And yet what I help people do is polish those things that they think are occlusions or flaws and turn those flaws into their mighty strengths. 
Mm. Oh, my goodness. You are just, you are job dropping so many gems right now because it is, it's a cycle. And I, I don't know about you, but it took me a long time to work past my trauma. And, and like you said, even sometimes I get those, you know, you're not good enough. What do you think you're doing? Things that creep up in my head. And I'm like, no, 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 this is not it. And it took a lot, a lot, a lot of work for me to get to the point where I am now. Yep. When you work with people and you tell them that, hey, this is going to be a journey. This is not a, you know, fix me quick solution. This is a, you really have to put in the work and, and, and do it. And like you said, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Do they really understand what you're saying when you tell them what well, has to be done? The interesting thing is I don't tell them anything. Okay. I, I invite them to share with me why they're here. Mm. And I'll get the story through the lens of the barking dogs. Mm -hmm. And then I just sit with them, Trina. I love them. I don't expect anything from them. What I will say is nobody's broken mm. and nobody needs fixing. We just need awakening to who we are. Mm. Love that. And and that's that's been, I mean, it could have, the, my, some of the things could have taken me out and almost did. I got really, really sick at one point. Um, it, things that shouldn't happen to anybody, any mother, any person. And yet somehow or another, that always looking for spirit, mm -hmm. that thing kept me from knowing I wasn't alone because the thing that breathes us, mm -hmm. you know, that's another word for God. Yeah. And, and I, I, I work with all nationalities, all religions, all, all, all over the world. But the one thing we have in common is the breath. Mm -hmm. And so the breath is, it's just is. And when we're born, we take our breath sometimes with a little whack which is a trauma. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then when we, it's time to leave, we may want that breath more than anything in the world, but our time here is done. And, and that's not the end. That's just a chapter. Wow. And so having had that experience, I say not that I believe, not that I've learned, but I say that I know mm. that there is grace extended to all of us and, you know, it says, yeah, faith is a grain of mustard seed. Man, I had half a mustard seed when I started, <laughs> you know, and, and so many losses. And yet, by God, I was going to turn those losses into something positive. Yeah. And, and sometimes I did and sometimes I didn't. And yeah. it's like, wow, it's right. And to be where I am now speaking with you is nothing short of a miracle. Because growing up, they used to say, girl, you got a voice. And I wouldn't say a thing, and I made myself invisible. Mm -hmm. And that brought me through much of my life. I got by by being invisible. Mm -hmm. I was a workaholic, overachiever, and I remained invisible. Mm -hmm. And I watched, and, and how the jealousy comes in. I watched people that I had worked with go on to amazing things. Lord, how come I'm here in my little corner, you know, just mm -hmm. working with people behind the scenes? And I still do. But it's hard now because... I'm being kicked out of my nest. And that's, that's part of the book. That's part of the books. I've written five, three were bestsellers, you know, and it's not me. It's like, 
uh, I hear something like, you're going to write a book inwardly in my inner wisdom. This was Thanksgiving. This was the book that was called Soulless. And I, and I came home from Thanksgiving dinner at my friend's house. And I'm hearing, you know, you need to write a book. I said, really? Yeah, it's going to be done by December 31st. This is Thanksgiving. And I said, really? I said, okay, I'll be obedient. I sat down, opened my laptop. What are we going to say? And the first thing that came out of my pen, my, my consciousness was my red Chevy van. And I almost ran him over. And the incident that could have taken his life gave him a wife and me a man to treasure. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so you get, you have to elaborate on this story. So, well, my husband that passed away that I told you about, I, I uh, helped someone who was president of um, Colorado National Speakers Association, and I was involved with them. And so he asked if he could stay at my place and if I would set a hotel room for him to do a storytelling workshop. I said, sure, I'll do that, Doug. And um, I did. And he stayed with me. And he asked me this crazy question, like, Lynn, would you ever get married again? I'd been married for 17 years to my first husband, who became bipolar. Welcome to the history of putting yourself. And, and I wasn't going to go. And then he said, would you ever get married? And I said, ah, no. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. And, and then I thought, well, if I met a man that loved his wife as much as you love yours, I would consider it. And that night I got the inner direction to go to that place. And I pulled up in front of the hotel. This man got out of a taxi, walked across in front of me, got on the the curb and then turned around and stepped in front of my car that was now moving. I stepped on the brakes and and my first, I was, oh God, he's going to the same lecture as me. And so sure enough, I go upstairs. This is guy sitting in the front row. The seat is behind him. And he was my neighbor. And I said, you know, and we talked a little bit and uh, I said, well, you know, you live right around the corner from me. Why don't I just drop you off? And so I dropped him off and um, one thing led to another. And the man I almost ran over became the man I married six months later. After having been separated for almost 12 years. And I literally got in my prayer chair and I said, God, and he had a handicap which didn't mean squat to me. Um, I said, God, do you really want me to marry this dude? And I said, I'm not getting out of my prayer chair till you give me a yes or a no. And two hours later, I open my eyes and I hear, he is the one, what do you say? Rejoice renew for he is the one handpicked by God for you. So that's how we got together. And um, I was told inwardly how long he'd be in my life and that he would probably pass before me, which he did. It didn't prepare me. But the loving that we shared healed both of us. And that's the willingness that the voices would say, don't ever open your heart again. It's bad news. That's the safety one, the barking dogs. I risked opening my heart because it was an inner prompting to risk having my heart hurt again. And would I do the thing that I was being challenged to do? And I've had you know, a lifetime of practicing that inner obedience. Because when I listen to the intuitive, wise one inside of me, you know, it may not always be easy, but it's so good at the end. And when I don't listen to that intuitive inner wisdom, oh, man, it's deep doo-doo time. (laughs) (laughs) Life is good, and I can't take myself real seriously. Wow. I mean, that's (laughs) 
that's just an amazing story. It, it gives me hope for love again, because like you said, is I've been through so many things where I had closed off and I said, ah, nope, never going to do that again. Just be a loner and go through my life. But as I'm getting older, I'm like, you know, I would like to have someone to spend the second half of my life with. So hopefully, um, you know, God has someone that he'll it, reveal to it's me. Totally possible. I mean, this will be my fourth marriage. My first one was violent. The second one died in a plane crash. The third one died because of a drug overdose that the hospital administered. And then number four has been my friend now for 27 years. And um, when his wife passed, who was my dear, dear friend, people from all over the United States started calling me saying, you need to go east to be with Paul because his, my, my good friend had died. And I wasn't going to go because I know that after the, the funeral or the celebration of life, everybody goes back to their life. And I know the second year is the toughest. So in my mind, I was going to go after the dust had settled. And I also had a commitment to paying off a loan that I'd taken by March 31st. And this was in November. And after these seven people called me, everybody said, if you don't go, he's not going to be around because they could see him. And um, he actually called me when his wife was dying while he was waiting for the EMFs. That's how close we were as friends. And there's a whole story that I could go into at some point that I will. But um, on his deathbed, we both sort of knew James was going to go. We didn't know that he was going to go that way. And he said, what are you going to do when I die? I said, oh, honey, I know the drill. Remember, I've been widowed. I've, 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 I've lost. I've lost Michelle, my daughter, you know, through her, her dad. And I, I know the drill. So I want you to get married. I said, no. We almost had an argument over it. And then finally, I said, why do you want me to get married? Because I want you to meet a man that loves you as much as I do and gives you everything I can't. And four to five days later, he was gone. And so the, the beauty of that is when we had our mini argument, I said, I'll tell you what, James Stephen Putney, you want me to get married again? You meet him, you vet him, you send him, and I will decide. And fast forward seven years, I have a Qigong master visiting me who's very attuned to the spirit. And he goes, Lean, your dead husband in kitchen. I said, how nice to you. He said, what's he want to say? He hasn't talked to me in 11 and a half years. She's still and she goes, oh, he say he vetting man. Now she's Chinese. Vetting is not exactly your everyday Chinese word. And then fast forward a couple months. So what do you do that information? Put it in the file. I was not open to relationship. So I'm in San Diego with my friend Anita. And I'm helping her proof her book for Random House. And we're sitting up there at this leaders conference and blah, blah, blah. She goes, oh, Lynn, honey, James is in the room with us. I said, no way, Anita. This is a double header. What's he want now? <laughs> and she's silent. And she goes, he says he's vetting a man for you. True story. Almost verbatim. Fast forward a few more months. I'm, I'm you know, my friend Cheryl, who's Paul's wife who passed away, calls me out of the blue and says, honey, James is with us. She's, he's here with me. He's so big, I can't see his head in the clouds. I said, oh, my gosh, it's a triple, a triple header. What, what's he want to say now? She goes, oh, honey, it's so sweet. He says he's vetted a man. And then she goes, and all you have to do is decide. It's a yes. And less than a month later, Cheryl passed away. And this man 
who's been my friend at that point for 25 years. And he's in consulate because they were married for 40 years. I come as a minister to support him. And in the long story short, the spirit conspired my deceased husband and Cheryl conspired to get us together. And that's a mystical, magical story. And every word of it is true. Wow. And so the blessings that are available for us are infinite. As long as we can still the barking dogs long enough to be still and to know that who we are is perfect. Yeah. And one of the things I do to self-soothe is I'll, I'll just feel my fingers I'll, I'll go like this to know that I'm alive. I'll say nice things to myself. And, and mostly I try to stop my mind chatter. And the, the grandmothers, you know, they used to wring their hands when they were praying. That actually is a way to soothe yourself because the meridian's in your hands. All the things that we do when we pull on our ears, we're giving ourselves, you know, acupressure. And there's a million tools for us that are available when we open and have the willingness to look at life in a new way. And that's what I invite your listeners to do. Every day in my life is a new day. And it may be our last day. So how do I want to leave it? Better than I woke up in it? So for your listeners, I would say whatever hurt, whatever wounds you have, it's a diamond in the rough. And when you get curious about it and well, is this pattern been with me for a long time? Like the pattern of finishing second? Mm -hmm. That was an, a deeply ingrained trauma that a young child interpreted in a way that isn't accurate. And so our job is to become truth finders and curiosity seekers for who's, who's the real me? Who am I outside of my hurts and my boo-boos and my bitches and my concerns and my desires? Who am I really? Wow. Wow. And, That's you know, just, wow. So profound. You know, just, you know, it almost brings tears to my eyes because it makes you think about how many people are living this life without knowing who they really are and are so unhappy with themselves. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's just amazing. And, it, and it's amazing how you had all of these people say the exact words that you had not spoken to anyone None of them. Came to you saying, yeah, he's vetting someone for you. So. And that is not, that's not even a word that I would use consciously. Wow. You know? And so those kinds of serendipities and, and gifts, you know, they're here for all of us. It's like, we we come in aware and awake and as little souls in this planet. And then I like to believe that we, we kind of, this is a game down here. Mm -hmm. It helps me be sane. Mm -hmm. And there's a transformation game where this concept first came to me. Four simple things we're here to do as humans. Mm -hmm. We're here to gain awareness. We're here to overcome setbacks. We're here to do service, especially if we can, serve others without agendas. And then finally to know that God, divine breath, spirit, Allah, Buddha, I don't care what it is. That thing that's greater than us is always here. And actually we go through all this stuff in the palms of his hands or her hands. 
Mm. You know, and and we are the ones we're looking for. And the only way I found it was to go inside when my pain got so unbearable. Mm. I had to decide there had to be something more. And I started sitting in meditation. Mm. And man, I, I could not meditate to save my day. I'd wear my watch. Oh my God, it's only a minute. <laughs> Crap, it's only two minutes. And then I got to the first day I sat for 20 minutes. And, and I looked and went, oh my God. And I felt better. Really? And so I've, I did that for many years of a way, not passively, but I would either say love, 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 truth, truth, truth. Um, some people use Om. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I like Hugh because Hugh is the Sanskrit word for God. Okay. And, it's, and it sounds good when it vibrates inside of you. And um, I've used practices like freeform writing, where you write what you're thinking and burn it. And if you want, I can give your listener, if your listeners want, you know, I can give you something that you can put in. Um, I have a program on Thinkific. Okay. And I'm also going to be in a documentary series, Healing from Emotional Trauma, which is going to air sometime in March. And that's going to be free to listeners during the launch. So. there's so many ways, but I would say there's no wrong way or well, there's no there's no certain way you have to wake up. Mm-hmm. There's your way to have to wake up. And some of us like me, we're pretty slow learners. <laughs> you know? And and I think that's part of being human. Because yeah. we're on the hamster wheel, we don't know we're on it until we distance ourselves enough to say, Yo, I've been on a hamster wheel for most of my life, running from da 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 da. For me, it took illness mm-hmm. to to begin to wake up. I had to ask for help. Oh, God forbid, I should ask for help. And like, I'm the one that's the one for everybody. Right. You know, miss miss people pleaser. It's my job to come to the rescue, white nightis, mm-hmm. if there's such a thing in shining armor. <laughs> and I don't do that now. I just be. You know, and then I, I'm working to be unapologetically me, even when I'm in the downtimes and the uptimes. All my loving, Trina, goes into loving everything. Every wow. single trauma has made me who I am today. And it's not for the faint of heart to be real. You know, like the Velveteen Rabbit went through all those things in the children's book. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all Velveteen Rabbits in the making, where we're so loved and used that we, we have used up our loving in our life to we're ready to graduate. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the most noble thing we can do is to learn to love ourselves. Everything else comes from that. And, and it's in plain sight, but none of us see it because of all the conditioning mm-hmm. and it's perfect because it's a game. Wow. And, you know, <laughs> I never thought about that, but in you're right. The loving ourselves, why is it so hard for us to do that? Because I know for me, that has been my issue is like, and again, is that conditioning how I grew up? I could love to someone else and give. And but then when it came to myself, I was not so loving. I wasn't so forgiving. And, and now I think, why wouldn't I be? You know, I, I am. Voices. Right. You those voices, girlfriend. And they come from the womb sometimes. Yes. And they come from your your mother's 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 mother going back 15 generations and you can track that because that's part of what I do. I help people track where it is right down to, to which strand of RNA or DNA. Now I don't know how to do this. I'm trained in it. 
but I don't know how to do this. I just know I'm obedient to how to do this. And people say, I've had that issue for 50 years and I can't find it anymore. Mm. That's how I knew I was on the right track. You know, I had a house guest and she was going to see the founder of the EMDR, you know, the eye response thing for trauma. And I said, well, why don't you just let me put you on my table? Mm -hmm. Oh, no, 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 no. And just before she's going, she goes, you know, I'd sort of like to get on your table. By the time she got off the table, she couldn't even find it. And that's what's possible for us when we open to the possibility that life is meant for us to be happy, joyful, positive. Now, there's probably 25, you know, one one negative statement takes a whole bunch of positive statements Mm -hmm. to neutralize because this battery-operated planet is the positive and the negative polarity. It's easier to be negative than it is to be positive. Just look at the press. Yeah. You know, it sells. People get caught in the, oh, that's living from the outside in. We're always safe. Mm-hmm. No matter what happens to us, our soul, who we are in our essence is uncorruptible. Wow. And I've worked with murderers, pedophiles, rapists, wow. ex-offenders. I've worked with PTSD vets, you know, people that have been held up at gunpoint. And, and um, it's like we're all different and we're all similar. Mm-hmm. And when we learn to love the similarities and honor the differences, that's heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. And that's where I like to believe we're going. People like me, there's a lot of people out there doing their work based on their life story. Mm-hmm. So I invite people to join the positive joy movement. And it starts with smiling. Yeah. And, and, and in Chinese, you know, I studied in China at the University of Beijing and in Taiwan, the number one energy exercise that you can do to change your life is to smile. Wow. And these muscles, they control a lot of stuff in your body. And it's hard to say, no, 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 when you're going, no, 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 no. And if you say, no, 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 it's like, oh, if you say, yes, 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 yes. And one of the things I do with my clients is I have them, after we do the session, as I have them go, joy, 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 as high as they can get. And that begins to change the dynamics in the brain. And it's as simple as choosing to find the good, no matter how crappy it is. I call it the happy crappy. You get out the other side, you laugh at it. It's going to be funny. My teacher said it's going to be funny in five years. Why not make it funny now? Yeah. And so that that's kind of how I live my life. And that was another long-winded answer to a question that was so poignant and profound. No, I mean, I'm loving it. And just everything you're saying is just really resonating. At one point, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, am I a mirror? And she's like looking at me and, and reading me <laughs> because it is just, it's so profound. And I love it. I love the positivity. I love the working past your trauma and being of service to other people to help them. Uh, I mean, just think what the world could be if we did that, if everyone did that, because we all experience something, right? Exactly. And if we could take whatever that negative force and turn it around and try to see the good or take the lessons from it to help someone else, it, it would be a better place to live. You know, and you and I both know that it's, you know, it's just, it's just so amazing that you exist and you're doing what you do. 
And it's not for everyone. Everyone can't do that. Everyone doesn't want to do that. And there, I have found that there's more people who would like to condemn and judge you. Like, you know, you were saying, you know, you get past your, you know, that talk in your head, the dogs barking, and then there's somebody else be like, ah, no, 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 no. You know, remember, da, 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 da. And you're like, okay, you know. Barking dog. Yes. I just label it barking dog. Yeah. I, I labeled I labeled my inner judger. We all have an inner judger. Everybody, no matter who you are. I called my judge, Judge Louie. Mm. And somebody said, why do you call, call it Judge Louie? I said, well, that's short for Lucifer. Mm. And, and that's a metaphor for the darkness, the unknowing of love, the thing that wants power over rather than shared, shared loving. Mm-hmm. And I believe people like you, your listeners, all you have to do is start smiling. And that's mm-hmm. a tougher challenge than you can imagine. Oh, yeah. You know, and then silently, when I walk by people on the street, frequently I'll go, God bless you, mm-hmm. inside. Mm-hmm. And one time I did this when my, I had an office in Santa Monica, and, um, you know, I knew all the homeless people because the church park was across right at the end of the block. And this is going to sound mystical and fantastical and not true, but everybody hears everything because the morphogenetic field, which is quantum physics, we are all connected and ultimately one being. And so I walked by this homeless guy that I hadn't seen ever, tall guy, maybe in his 70s, kind of skinny. And as I walked by in my in my mind, I said, and God bless you. And I got about three steps away and the man goes, that was the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me. And I turned around, I said, you heard me? Yeah, I heard you. Mm. And I ended up hugging the dude and I went on my way feeling like a million bucks because it's not often that you get to have the loving come back immediately. And that was like, for me, it's like, whoa, that was twilight zone. And yet this man heard what I thought. And it's happened more than once. So what we put out in our environment is felt by everybody. All you have to do is walk in a room with an angry person. Or or if there's a riot, it's a contagious thing. The people that would never do that get sucked up in this negative vortex of energy which is the barking dog energy, whose job, it, it's here on purpose to strengthen us in our loving. Mm. And then they go, why did I do that? Wow. You know, And we don't know why, because we're not aware enough to catch the judge or the hater mm-hmm. or the saboteur, because it's only because hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. So I have to clean, like Gerda said, I have to start cleaning my own doorstep you know, so that I can be an example and that where I walk, I exude positivity. And I know when I'm not because it's really visceral inside of me. Mm. You know, it's like, mm, okay, Lynn, we need a chill pill. Mm-hmm. You know, before I think I'd been with clients all day and working on stuff and I said, I need a shower mm-hmm. before I talk to anybody. Yeah. So I went upstairs, I washed my hair, I did everything. I was telling you, and, and I like to do things early. So I had everything set up mm-hmm. and my, my hair dryer didn't work. It died. And in the old me would have been, and the, the, the new me said, well, where's my pony clip band, you know? And so that's not a big deal, but there was a time that it was a very big mm-hmm. deal when I was judging myself through the filter right. 
of, of what I needed to do to be safe. But what we do as children, what I did then was then, we need to upgrade all those stories and go back and comfort that younger us. Oh, you know, Lynn, mom was really not knitting with both needles. Mm -hmm. She didn't know what she was doing when she hurt me. You know, she was hurting herself. And um, be really transparent, I came home from school when I was 17, and the cops were in the front driveway. And the officer said, um, uh, what did he say? Something about, I said, what's going on, officer? And he goes, well, we found your mom naked in the neighbor's closet across the street. She had a nervous breakdown. And he said that she ran away because her husband was trying to kill her. And so that may have been an energetic truth because they were at each other's throats for decades. And my mom got committed. And, um, and then one thing led to another. And ultimately, for my own safety, that's when I left. Mm. And I went to live with my, grand, my aunt and uncle who were still alive. That didn't last too long. And so then I finally ran away. And I lived with the parents of my future in-laws. I mean, the, 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 my future in-laws. Mm -hmm. And I paid them rent while I finished college. You know, and so those things all indelibly imprinted in me have now become stories of overcoming. And so we can use our story to change the world right now, starting right here. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say for your listeners. It's never too late. Mm -hmm. I've worked with people in their 90s who've healed traumas from when they were six. And all of a sudden, they got the spring in their step and the burdens off them. Yeah. And I've worked with little ones that are like three years old who beat up their 18-month-old sister and won't let mama leave the room without wailing. There was even hope for that little one. you know. And the way I did it, she, she cleared it. And then she realized her mom had been gone to the bathroom. And she started to throw a temper tantrum. I got down on the floor and I went, Wah! with her. She looks at me. She goes, No. But that was the that was the ending of the her being you know upstaged by a younger sibling, mm -hmm. and she felt unloved. And I said, "Mommy loves you." And a mom came in and picked her up, and then she stopped beating up her eighteen month old sister. So loving goes a long way, and it's free, yes, and it can't yeah. tax it. Wow! <laughs> you try to steal it, but there's no tax on loving. Wow. Except an increase in every area of your life. Mm. Wow. So you mentioned your books, that you're a best-selling author. You have five books, correct? Yeah. At last count, there's probably a few more ebooks in there. But yes, right now, two of them are active. One is called Soul Lifts. Instead of a facelift, you give your soul a lift from bumps to brilliance. It's what I call toilet material. You can read it in a sitting <laughs> <laughs> and it's it starts with the Chevy van story and how people that I know I have their permission their stories pretty much in there verbatim except for Vanessa Vanessa's a, a a combination between two people and um and then then there was my first book was Heaven's Helpful Hints it's out of out of out of print that happened when my house burned down and the Chinese restaurant became my my office and I was working with a woman and I asked her a question. She goes, I don't know the answer to that. Close your eyes and ask your soup. And she went, 
how did the soup know? And I didn't. I says, because there's God in your soup. There's God in everything. Right. So that one's that one's done. And the one that's just been a best-selling mm-hmm. book is called Beyond Lovelyville, a parable mm-hmm. of self-awareness and rising above trauma. It is actually autograph, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's my autobiography um, through the eyes of little creatures that live on a pond. And they discover for themselves how to heal those traumas and those parts of themselves that are not loving. And then the one coming out in July is called Love You. And the subtitle I still don't have yet, but it may be the best is yet to come mm. because that was pretty much the, my last love email to my husband. He passed away shortly after that. And um, so that book is literally as it was downloaded and printed from my files. And it's pretty much going out the way it is so that people can actually see what a real loving relationship is possible regardless of all the odds. That's that's probably the book that my husband would be most proud of, My Little Angel in Heaven. Wow. So, and, and I just want to thank you. And I know, I think maybe we've covered the 10 questions or maybe not. Not yet, but we can, we can skip them because, I mean, you have given me so much stuff. I may hit on just a couple of them um, okay. that I wouldn't mind asking you. Um, but I'm, I'm just... <laughs> I don't know where the time has gone because I have just enjoyed our conversation and just the wisdom and the positivity that you just emit from you. It's just, it's just amazing. I, I mean, I love it. And I, like I said, it's like having a mirror and someone looking at the mirror and you're going, Oh my God, you know, I'm like that too. So um, that has been great, but I'm going to ask you just a couple of the questions. I'm not going to get into the 10 because we're wrapping up for time, but what is your definition of success? Loving everything. And how do you recharge? Oh, I meditate. I pray. I have friends on Zoom. We do Qigong like practices mm-hmm. together. Um, I have a wonderful community that not only loves me, but will keep me on course. And um, I have uh, a new husband that adores me that I've known for 27 years. And we are in such partnership because he's a minister. I'm a minister. We're both dedicated our life to God and service. He's an amazing chiropractor. And he's developed something where he teaches the body how to heal itself. It's called the electrical matrix. You know, and, and I'm helping him to bring that out into the world. Literally, our bodies are programmed for health. And when vertebrae go out or we have a stomach ache or something, there's always an emotional cause. We may not know it or a trauma or something is out of whack. And when you bring attention to that part, it knows how to heal itself. So I don't heal anybody. Paul doesn't heal anybody. We heal ourselves when we access the divine in us. And so those are some of the things I do. And I'm curious about when I get out of balance. I'm fascinated by my humanness. You know, and, and Talar de Chardin uh, got thrown out of the church for saying this, but we are spiritual beings having a human experience. He was actually a profound archaeologist. Mm. And so we are all human, human, heavenly man, having these experiences, man as in all mankind. There's no delineation. And that 
knowing that that we're all one family. Mm -hmm. When I see stuff in the world that I don't like, I take ownership inside of me for any time I have ever been that, done that, thought that. Because since we're all literally one in the body of God, my brothers and sisters are showing me I'm out of balance. Mm. So I get busy working on me and correcting my faults. That's also my definition of success. Wow. Oh, man, Dr. Lynn, we could just go on forever talking, but we're going to wrap this up because it has just been so amazing. (laughs) Where can the listeners um, buy your books, get in contact with you if they want to um, become a client of yours? Just tell us how we can find you. Okay, well, the book is on Amazon. It's called Beyond, B-E-Y-O-N-D, Lovelyville, L-O-V-E-L-Y-V-I-L-L-E. That's where I would recommend people would start because it is a parable and it's every human story. And um, Soulless is a fun book. You know, you know, open it to any page. That's the kind of books I like. Okay, what's my message for today? And I open it. Um, that one's doing there. That's still available. They can go to my website or if they would like to um, get the free program, it, it's basically um, they would email my virtual assistant. It's va.drlynnmorell um, at gmail.com. And um, she can send out that course to them. It's um, it's basically under 10 minutes because I don't know about you, but oftentimes it's hard for me to listen with all the zoomed outness. Mm-hmm. I did this. It was a spontaneous training at the request of a Greek man who wanted to ask me some questions who happened to videograph it. So that's called Are You Living Your Best Life? Mm-hmm. Freeform writing that I mentioned is in it. Mm-hmm. There's a segment. There's 10 little segments with a 30 second or so video of me. And then there's the the page that they can read. And then there's a meditation or an action step. You can do it all at once, or you can do the 10 minutes or so a day over time. It's charged with the energy of healing. And, you know, it's really easy not to open things, but I figure for 10 minutes a day, and I did this in like 2014, and I never marketed it. Why? Because my barking dog said, it's not professional enough. And you're wearing a color that doesn't look good on you. And you were in a flight path of the airport in Los Angeles. And we're upstairs on a roof for crying out loud. And so it's perfect because life is messy. And if we strive for, for perfection, that's for dead people. Mm-hmm. We can make them perfect. Right. But we're all God's creation in expanding and loving so that it all goes back to the spirit. And, and then all of us heal. When one of us heals, there's a ripple effect across the whole planet. Mm-hmm. So they can find me that way. Um, it's, my website is, is drlinmerl.com. It's mostly a placeholder. And um, if they want anything in particular, do they want to have a group Zoom or something, we can work something out you know, where I can make it easy for people to attend. And there's so many ways, but the book is probably the easiest way because it's, it's you know, it's not a big investment and they can get the Kindle or the written. I like the written mm-hmm. because it's real yeah. in today's word of electronic stuff. So, and it's a reread yeah. over and over again. My, my prayer is it become a classic yeah, like Charlotte's Web or, and and um, I have a quote on the back that this book is the best of the Chronicles of Narnia, Lord of the Rings, and Charlotte's Web. 
and I hadn't read some of them at that point, but, um, you know, so that's what I would say. Wow. And mostly access to your own wisdom because yes. you're the one you're looking for to all the listeners. Oh, and when you goodness. find that one, you will be in such awe and reverence for who you are and how wonderfully your life is perfect for you. Oh, I love that. So thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be here and speak with me. It has been amazing. Your wisdom, your gems, your light. I love it all. And I just want to say thank you. Oh, you're so welcome, Trina. Thank you for having me. If you like Trina Talk Podcast, please don't forget to go out to iTunes and rate it five stars and leave a review. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination.